The following is a sermon that was preached at Faith Lutheran Church in Sharpsburg, Georgia. For more information about our church or to hear past sermons from Faith Lutheran, visit georgiafaith.com. Thank you for listening. What were they thinking? As the disciples stood on that mountain and saw Jesus ascend up into the sky and then disappear from sight, what thoughts were going through their minds? This man had walked right into their lives and somehow into their hearts with a simple command to come follow me. And now they couldn't follow him anymore. He was leaving them behind with a new command, be my witnesses. Be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. What was going through the minds of those men that day? Our gospel reading for today tells us that the disciples were filled with great joy. Joy because even 40 days after Jesus had risen, the good news was still just as good. Joy because Jesus had just given them a new and incredible mission. And I wonder if alongside that joy, there was also some new nervous excitement, the kind you get when you take the training wheels off for the first time. Because the disciples had been training. They had trained for the past three years, and now they had graduated. They had sat at Jesus' feet and listened to his every word, They had seen him do things that they thought were never possible. And now it was their turn. Now they were ready to ride on two wheels. But as they left the Mount of Olives that day and walked back into Jerusalem and back into their normal lives, I wonder if the joy started to fade. Maybe over time, the joy and excitement started to slowly disappear, and in its place, some uncertainty started to creep in. Maybe they, they saw the gravity of the situation for what it was. Jesus had left. He was gone. Just as profoundly as he has come, he was now gone. And how were they supposed to fill this mission? How would they start? What would they say? If only Jesus could stay. The past 40 days had been so refreshing for the disciples. After the heartache of Jesus' death and then the joy at his resurrection, Jesus appeared to his disciples and over the course of 40 days, he comforted them and he gave them many convincing proofs that he is indeed alive again. And day by day, the disciples' confidence and trust in Jesus grew. That's what they needed. They wanted Jesus back. And maybe they thought that since death was defeated and sin was paid for, maybe things would be different. Maybe Jesus could stay. Maybe nothing would ever come between them and their master again. But that day, as they looked into the sky above Jerusalem, maybe they realized that they were wrong. If only Jesus were still here, 
He always had the right words for the situation. He could comfort them like no one else could. That's what they needed. That would give them the confidence that was required to shoulder this incredible mission. As the disciples looked back into the sky, I wonder if they wanted the training wheels back on. Now, today, we celebrate the festival of our Lord's Ascension. And as we try and put ourselves into the disciples' sandals, as we try and picture Jesus rising up into the sky and disappearing behind a cloud, what's going through your mind? How do you feel? Do you feel like the disciples did, alone, unsure, uncertain? The thing is, we're called to be Jesus' witnesses in a world that's captive to sin. We look around, we see broken hearts, broken homes. We see how sin and its effects descend on us and our loved ones. We see how it hurts them and haunts them. And from this vantage point, it really looks like everything is just falling apart. Is this really what God wants of me? Does he really want me to live in a world of school shootings and war? Can he really ask my heart to just be at peace when I look around and see the brokenness? Does he really intend for you and me to be his witnesses in a place where the odds are stacked against us? How I long for what the disciples had. For just one day of Jesus' company, let alone 40, what could that do for you? What words of comfort would Jesus have to lift your eyes from the doom and gloom? What words would he have to set your heart on fire, to change your perspective, to help you shoulder the burden of being his witness to the ends of the earth? My perspective would completely change if Jesus were right here, right next to me, to take me in, to tell me everything would be okay. But this is why the ascension matters. And this is where we need to fix our eyes. We need to remember what Jesus allowed his disciples to see that day. Our gospel reading tells us that he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. Jesus didn't vanish. There were times during his ministry when he would appear in the middle of a crowd and then disappear on command, but not on that day. On that day, Jesus let his disciples see exactly where he was going. It's the same place he left all those years ago to come down to earth, to become like his disciples, to join in their struggles and hardships. It's the place he left to become a baby, born in a small city called Bethlehem. But now on this day, he had to go back. He had to go back to his home in heaven because he had done everything required of him. The victory was won, the battle was over. Now that all was left to do was to go home. In the days of Roman generals and conquests, a general would ride out to battle, and if he was victorious on the field, he would come back to Rome 
and he would be welcomed by the grandest parade. He would take victory laps in his chariot, and Rome would give him all the praise and glory and honor it could muster. And when Jesus ascended back into heaven, now that his work was done, he received all the glory and honor and power that are rightfully his. It was the most royal homecoming, more glorious than the most glorious Roman parade, because heaven itself erupted into praise. The King of Kings had returned, and this day was his coronation day. The ascension matters for us because Jesus isn't like the kings that we watch in movies or read about in books. He's not a king who is infatuated by wealth and everything that glitters, or a placeholder king who merely sits and warms the throne. He's a king unlike any other. King Jesus took his place at the right hand of God the Father, the place of absolute power and authority. No kingdom even compares to his because his kingdom is not of this world. Earthly kings don't come close to King Jesus because he has the power and the authority that are rightfully his. He is King of kings and Lord of all lords. It's important that the disciples saw Jesus go into heaven because that's where he still is. From heaven, King Jesus orchestrates and oversees all things. He reigns and rules over all things for the good of his church. And so every success of the church, every failure we experience, every time someone is baptized or confirmed, the king is in charge. Every time we invite someone to come worship with us, the king is in charge. And even every time you share the gospel with someone and you aren't quite sure you made the impression you were hoping for, the king is in charge. And nothing enters into the lives of the king's subjects unless King Jesus uses it for our good. That means all the cloudy days in our lives. That means all the unspeakable tragedies that this world has seen and will see King Jesus doesn't let it happen unless it's for his glory. And so, what does all this mean? What does this mean for his subjects? Since we have a king with a kingdom unlike any other, who is a king unlike any other, what does that mean for us? It means we have work to do. You know, Before Jesus ascended, he gave his disciples this command to make disciples of all nations, but he also gave them a promise. He said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And you know, sometimes as we try and struggle with the concept that we're supposed to be Jesus' witnesses in a place like this, when we ask how we're supposed to do it, where we'll find the strength, sometimes we're so focused on the work that needs to be done that we forget the promise Jesus has attached. And his promise is this, that he's given us his Holy Spirit. 
for the moments we feel unempowered and afraid, he's given us his Holy Spirit, the Spirit he would soon give his disciples, the Spirit he sends among us, who works through us, the Spirit who ignites the fire of faith in people's hearts through the gospel, the Spirit who slices through the effects of sin in this world with the double-edged sword of the word. That's the Spirit Jesus has given us. And so armed with that spirit, being Jesus' witness to the ends of the earth becomes easy. It's as simple as praying in a public place before you sit down for a meal. It's as easy as singing a hymn as you tuck your kids into bed. We're not alone as we witness to the world, as we make disciples of all nations, because this king has sent us his spirit. Now, the Gospel writer Luke has told us a lot about this king. Luke has taken us from the manger in Bethlehem, where we first met Jesus, to today, at the Mount of Olives outside Bethany, at his ascension. And this was the last time many of the disciples would have seen Jesus on earth. And to many of them, this might have felt like the very fitting end to a very enthralling story. But Jesus' ascension also means that the story isn't over. It's to be continued. But today we learn that God does have an ending written, and the angels tell us how God wrote it. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. When Jesus comes back, it won't be a stranger. It won't be someone who looks like a king, but we don't quite recognize him. This same Jesus. The same Jesus we've been reading about in church all year. The same Jesus we sing about in our hymns, the same Jesus who healed the sick and the lame, the same Jesus who prayed for and comforted his disciples, the same Jesus who will come back one day and take us to be with him in the kingdom he's prepared for us because this same Jesus is the kind of king who shares his victory with his people. Why does the ascension matter? The ascension matters because all too often we look around and it feels like Jesus is gone. It feels like he's left us behind to do the lion's share of the work. And as we look around and try and make sense of all this, we ask, where is Jesus in all of this? There are times where, just like the disciples, we need many convincing proofs that Jesus is still with us. But it's on days like that where we can look up into the sky, just like the disciples did. They couldn't see Jesus anymore, but that didn't mean he was gone. And in fact, Jesus' ascension means that even on the days where it feels like Jesus is far away, he's actually closer than ever. He's here in the Word. He's here in the water of baptism. He's here in the meal he's prepared for us. He's here. And he's here. 
Daniel Deutschlander once wrote, for us, this great event is all about Jesus, and for Jesus, this great event is all about us. And how true that is. When we take to the streets, when we share the good news of Jesus, we can tell others about his birth, about his death, about his resurrection, but remember to tell them about his ascension, too. Remember to tell people to look up, to look toward heaven where we see a king who will one day come back to take us to be with him. And until that day when we bow at the feet of our king in his throne room, we too can confidently look up and know that our king lives and he reigns for you and for me. Amen. Amen.